Hi, Mike Gibson coming to you live from Sky 2017. We're talking bioresorbable or bioabsorbable vascular scaffolds uh, with Sahil Parikh. Sahil, where are we with this technology? Well, I think it, you know, as we've learned from the clinical evidence, it's a first generation device. Uh, we've seen in Europe uh, for the last several years that its clinical adaptation has been relatively low percentage-wise, and it's been used in selected patients. Uh, our clinical data here in the United States have have been controversial, uh, and we've we've learned recently that there has been a warning uh, issued uh, because of data from Absorb3 and and from the randomized clinical data here in the United States. I think uh, there was already uh, a specter of concern. Uh, regarding late uh, events. On the other hand, um, if you look at the absolute number of events in the clinical trial, there are only four data points between years one and two that resulted in this warning letter. Hmm. Um, and so it's hard to know if it's a stochastic process or if it's in fact a meaningful signal. Right. Uh, but uh, we know that it's a, a new first generation technology, still clinically available here in the United States. Uh, and that it has a place probably in our armamentarium, but exactly what that place is remains uh, a bit unclear at this time. A new first-generation technology, but also very early in the learning curve, right? As Without we question. have to learn how, as operators, to optimize this performance. So, what right. have been some of the lessons? Well, I think you know clearly the uh, the, the clinical lessons have been largely that we need to aggressively predilate and prep the lesions. Perhaps we were spoiled by our current generation of metallic drug-looting stents because the technology is so good now uh, that it's a lot easier to deliver. I, I recall being uh, training in the Cypher era and the Taxus era when, when we had to sort of go back to the future and, and learn again how to deliver uh, thick, strutted stents that were stiff and had poor delivery systems. Yeah. Um, and in, akin to that, um, we need to do the same with uh, BVS. Uh, and, and the absorbed technology. And so I think that- um, We got a little spoiled. We, I mean, we uh, have been spoiled yeah. by, uh, by how good our current metallic drug looting stents are. So, you know, the, the adage is PSP, you know, uh, you, know you, wanna, you wanna prep the lesions according, uh, appropriately and uh, size it properly and then post dilate yeah. And sizing can often be a bit of a challenge, uh, particularly in lesions where um, you are, are a little bit concerned that you're not properly prepped. Mm -hmm. um, so if you haven't predilated aggressively, you may not be able to size properly, and then you, you'll perhaps be unable to pro adequately post-dilate when you need to. Uh, and so I think that that lesson is not lost. I think given the lack of uh, frequency of using uh, intracoronary imaging, um, we perhaps as a field have lost our touch with sizing. Um, and I think this technology, while not, not absolutely mandatory to image. I think imaging is helpful, mm -hmm. specifically in identifying pathologies that may be resistance to dilation and also um, sizing the vessel itself. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those are probably the clinical lessons that we've learned from our application of the technology. Um, and, and we are still in a relative infancy in learning how these devices can be used effectively. When you do an IVIS, is there any kind of uh, lesion characteristics you identify that say, hmm, this may be a no-go for Yeah, well, PBS. I think clearly the small vessels have been demonstrated to be potentially uh, high risk. Mm -hmm. uh, and so really, vessel diameter probably is the, most, the biggest, is mm -hmm. the most important. Um, you know, calcific lesions where you feel like you can get adequate lesion preparation, whether it's using debulking technologies or specialty balloons or just excellent uh, predilatation, those are probably things that you'll know better mm -hmm. as a consequence of your intravascular imaging. For example, 360 calcium is the enemy of all intervention. And so in those situations, finding a way to get adequate uh, expansion is critical. 
Uh, and in point of fact, for both metallic DES and bioreservable scaffolds, the lack of expansion is probably right. a major predictor of failure. Right. Um, and so I think that you know those are all lessons that are basically, again, back to the future, lessons that we've learned uh, from intravascular imaging that are proving to be more valuable. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and OCT has, uh, I think, clearly been buoyed by the use of this technology because you can potentially see it in the post-implantation uh, setting better mm -hmm. uh, when you have mm -hmm. optical coherence tomography. Um, and so OCT also gives you very high resolution imaging of the vessel's size, lesion length, and its characteristics, which may be right. potential um, inhibitors of adequate uh, lesion sizing and preparation. Well, I thank you for stopping by. Thanks for your very thoughtful discussion and comments on, on this first technology, uh, generation technology. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks to, and thanks to all of you for joining us live from Sky 2017.